Hello lovelies, and welcome to the first episode of LGBT in the Ring. My name is Brian Bell, um, and I am super excited to be bringing this show to all of you. Um, this is a long, the end of a long journey, but it's also the beginning of another um, long journey here with the uh the start of the outsports podcast network uh and i could not be more happy to join this yet another team within this team this show is going to be focused on covering the pro wrestling world from an lgbtq perspective you know i am a, a long time pro wrestling fan myself and you know one thing that's been missing for a long time is positive representation for uh, for LGBTQ people within the squared circle and thankfully that is starting to change uh, over recent years and I thought that it would be really awesome to start highlighting some of that change and some of the people that are bringing that change and opening up this world um, this athletic world to marginalized audiences, audiences that haven't been served before, audiences that have been othered and vilified in some ways. Um, so, yeah, like I think we're in an awesome place right now, but we can always get better, and that's what we're going to be covering here on this show. So, I figured like, this... To start things off, we might uh, spend a little time introducing myself as well as what I hope to accomplish with this show obviously um, so of course I am a contributor for Outsports um, mostly covering pro wrestling and esports although I do pop up and cover other things here and there um, but pro wrestling is a love of mine from a very young age I've been watching um, digesting and learning about this industry for 20 plus years at this point and um, in that time, I've come to understand my own truth about myself, uh, coming out as bisexual whenever I was 19. Um, and, you know, those two things didn't always add up, obviously. Um, but, you know, you always try and find your place there. Try to find your place within the things that you love, um, that you can identify with. And, you know, there's been some stuff here and there. I know, like, the first... Oddly enough, the first thing that I ever saw in pro wrestling that sucked me in was an angle in late 95, early 96, where Goldust... Yeah, Goldust was the first pro wrestling that I ever saw. So, of course, like I'm coming in on like Queer Deck 1 in terms of WWE, WWF at the time. So, you know, from an early age, I seeked out that sort of stuff. Um, even whenever I didn't realize my who I was. So I don't know, I think that the industry, as it opens its arms to these communities, I'm really glad to see that kids that are where I was at then, they have a much better version of uh, queer characters to look up to and to, and to take um, affirmation from. I love gold dust. So many people love gold dust. But with people like Ashley Vox, people like Effie, people like um Sonya Deville, you know, like Sunny Kiss and other rose, so many different pro wrestlers now that are out there 
all gaining more of a stage to put their own truths out there and to show people what that community can do. And I think that that deserves celebration in a lot of ways. So that's why I wanted to start this show. This this has been a long time coming for me. I toy with doing a show like this before I was at Outsports, um, before I was covering wrestling for Pace Magazine and for Unwinnable, you know, here and there. You know, this has been something that's been stuck in my head and just finally just like, you know what, you, like, you need to do it. Be the change you want to see. And so that's basically what we're going to do with this show. Um, so most weeks this is going to, this show is going to consist of interviews with LGBTQ figures or allies within pro wrestling, um, or around the industry. Um, but from time to time, you know, we are going to cover some current events in terms of, you know, major events, major shows, that sort of thing here and there. Um, but really the focus is going to be on giving LGBTQ performers a platform to, you know, tell their stories and and speak to audiences that are hungry for what they have to offer, not just in physicality and like in wrestling, but just as tales of humanity. Cuz that's we're all human after all, right? So that being said, um we don't have an interview this week, or a traditional interview, I guess. Um, but the third facet of this show that I am super excited to introduce, uh, from time to time, my partner, uh, KC, will be joining me to discuss you know, pro wrestling things that I show them or that they are interested in. They are nowhere near the level, like, the... the the fan that I am. They are much more of a casual fan who indulge me <laughs> in my love for um for pro wrestling. So it's always it's always interesting to get the that perspective as well. Um and we've had plenty of conversations about these sort of things, especially as the LGBTQ presence within pro wrestling has risen over the past uh two to three years. Um so the, we're going to kick off with that this week. Uh, we're just introducing as much of this show as we can, and I thought that sitting down and, and talking to KC this week would be a perfect opportunity to just kind of ease into things and let everyone get to know them because they are you know, a huge part of my life and they are going to be a sizable part of this show go, going forward. Um but, you know, I could talk all day long about about what the show is going to be like. Why don't we just get to the show, right? Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. We are back here on LGBT in the ring. Um, of course, this is Brian Bell back with you here once again. And I am joined uh, this week by someone who is going to be a periodic guest uh not always going to be on just because uh they're still slowly like becoming more entrenched in pro wrestling i don't even know if entrenched is the right word more so still like dabbling and and experiencing things but uh because they 
live with me, <laughs> they uh, are constantly exposed to this sort of thing. And I, considering they are also um, on the LGBTQ spectrum, I think that uh, their opinion is very, very valuable, both to me and to the audience. Um, it's always fun to talk to someone who doesn't have as much of a knowledge of pro wrestling um, as other people do. Um, but I... That might have come across as an insult, and I am so sorry. <laughs> anyway, I say all that to say, please welcome um, my partner, um, who, if anybody who read the, the description, is... Um, I'll just let them hold, take a hold of that. Uh, Casey. Casey, welcome to LGBT in the Ring. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> um, my name's Casey. I'm non-binary, trans, gender-fluid probably a whole bunch of other descriptors and yes i'm definitely not necessarily entrenched at this point uh, <laughs> i guess we'll see as as the show goes on yeah so i mean obviously yes but i think that <laughs> i think that it's valuable though that you aren't as obsessed with this as i am i mean I don't know. It's it's refreshing to come and talk to you, someone who. I don't know. Like I don't know what even what your experience was with pro wrestling before we started dating. However long ago, so like I don't know. I I, I mainly wanted wanted you to join me on the show because uh, I value. Your opinions and i think that you know a lot of the discussions that we do have in private about pro wrestling um could are honestly pretty insightful and informative and uh, i think that they speak to a lot of some of the viewpoints that the lgbtq community look at um in the industry itself um so from time to time, Casey will join me here on the show. Um, but for this week, uh, we're going to focus on just Casey and myself. And we're going to kind of break down, I guess, Queer Wrestling 101 in some ways. Um, obviously, in the in, in the previous segment, uh, I definitely went over some of that, um, especially the rise over the past year or so. But I want to go back further than that. Um, Casey what was like your experience with pro wrestling prior to uh i guess me forcing you to watch it <laughs> i wouldn't say force but my experience prior um i don't think i really watched wrestling before um like i'm sure i saw whatever sort of parodies um we're on tv like kind of joking about it i guess um i always had the this idea of what wrestling was uh, which may have been part of the reason why i didn't watch it um first off my mom like basically wouldn't let me watch anything that she deemed as being violent mm. um I can, I can understand that <laughs> yeah um but also, I, I really wasn't a fan of how women were being portrayed in wrestling. Um, I'm not... I was assigned female at birth, so I grew up with the... Um, 
experience of having a lot of pressure put on me to be a certain kind of woman and basically looks are the only thing that are going to get you anywhere with being a woman. Um, so to really see that kind of reflected in um, the way women's wrestling was for quite some time, um, it really wasn't something that I wanted to like actively consume as my form of media. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of that stuff was like some of the the stuff from the '90s era, I guess. Yeah, probably '90s and 2000s. Like, yeah. Basically, the only time I've seen wrestling that has come away from that has been the wrestling that I've seen with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there definitely are wrestlers who um, have inspired me, who uh, I feel like I have connection in. Um, it's really interesting now to see how diverse wrestling can be at this point in time compared to how it was, at least when I was growing up and first introduced to it. I mean, you're not wrong. I think like back then, cause that was around the period that I started watching was like the mid nineties, you know, um, 1995, oddly enough, like the first, I don't know. I got in on like the weird area of where there was a bit of queerness in pro wrestling, at least a little bit. Like, even if it was portrayed as, like, gay panic bullshit, where, like, Goldust was the first wrestling character I ever saw. And I still, I don't know if I've shown you Goldust at all. Mm, maybe. I think you might have. Maybe. I can't remember if I have or not. My memory's terrible. Um, But I totally understand that that outlook on it. Um and really not necessarily seeing something that gave women or queer people a very powerful portrayal in the wrestling of that era. Um, so yeah, like I, I totally get that. I, I honestly, based off of what I've shown you in the past few years and, and I think what you've latched onto for, at least from my perspective, what you latched on to, like, you are pretty right to not have a very keen, like, view on the port- like the portrayal of those two um, subsects within the wrestling industry back then. Like, pessimistic might be more of the word. <laughs> oh, that, I think that, I think that pessimism still is there now <laughs> in some ways. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. Um, so before we get there, though, let's take take it back once again. So that was your your like tangential knowledge of pro wrestling from like growing up. Whenever I brought up this this love of mine to you, I will say this: you were willing to like indulge me, and I do appreciate that because like wrestling fans do get a bad rap sometimes. I mean, sometimes it's warranted. Some wrestling fans can be really uh, problematic, I'll say. But um, I think, honestly, I think the Olive Branch might have been from you originally because I remember you showing me, if you don't know, we're both huge fans of Steven Universe. Um <clears throat> And I hadn't really seen the show that much before we started uh, dating. Uh, but they showed me the Tiger Millionaire episode of Steven Universe, like, as the first episode they ever showed me. 
And for those not familiar, basically it's a, a send up of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. I think that I don't know. That was a very interesting for me personally to see. Just because um, it showed that there was like some interest, it, it made me feel like there was some interest there with you. But also, I don't know, like I don't how what 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 like was was that something that you saw and they like, actively like seeked out to show me to like kind of get that thing rolling or what? I don't know if it was necessarily to get the thing rolling. Um, <laughs> I think most of my experience with consuming any sort of wrestling media like i said it was kind of based off parodies or um sort of jokes based off of wwe or other um for wrestling um and i knew you were interested in that clearly um and i thought that it might be a good introduction into steven universe for you um but also just because i had never really seen anything from an actual wrestling show um like i wanted to give it a shot because clearly you are passionate about it you get you get a lot out of it and if it's really just a bunch of like toxic masculinity and misogyny that i kind of ascribed to it growing up then i don't think that you would probably be as interested in or passionate about it so then were I guess you weren't so surprised whenever I showed you the the first match that I showed you. No, no. Okay. Well, I I will say this much: I stewed over which match <laughs> to show you first, um, just because I wanted to find something that one wasn't that that image of toxic masculinity that um, so many people attribute to wrestling, and honestly, a reputation that it rightfully earned at different points in history. Um, but the match I believe that I showed you to introduce you to actual pro wrestling was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's debut in NXT at NXT Dallas against Sami Zayn. Um, just to date everything. Um, so like, I, I chose that match specifically because like, while it didn't have any... Um, any queer wrestlers in it, I think that it was a very, it spoke to the athleticism and the, some of the pageantry that goes into pro wrestling in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know how, what, what, what was your reaction wherever to that? I felt like, you know, maybe I could get into this. Maybe I could watch something else. Hmm. And I think what really, sort of hooked me further um was definitely seeing dalton castle and all of his fanboys yes <laughs> um because i don't know really how he's supposed to be read or like how the industry is trying to portray him but to me i just read this like flamboyantly bisexual man who has his hot shirtless fanboys literally fanning him off <laughs> And I don't know, there's just something that just screams bisexuality to me mm -hmm. about him. And you don't necessarily get that a lot either um, with wrestling. Like sometimes they do portray char char like characters, I guess, as um, 
being gay or like not necessarily in a good light though like again with a, a wwd from old um mm. i'm thinking of characters that would like slap somebody's ass to um, sort of get the big man enraged oh yeah um, so a lot of gay panic right in the 70s and 80s uh when it came to effeminate androgynous flamboyant pro wrestlers like that and i feel like dalton castle like does not do that but he still exudes like men having sex with men type of energy mm-hmm. and maybe there's other people involved aside from men yeah so. exactly like dalton castle i'm glad that you brought him up because like that is one of the turning points for me in a lot of ways like i obviously i seeked out a lot of like gay coded characters or, and a lot of them were problematic but dalton castle was one that whenever he came along he exuded this sort of um different idea of manhood in some ways and a lot of his like early rivalries in ring of honor you know, especially the, with silas young um, even his introduction with Jay Lethal, like really centered on that, basically seeing himself as a real man, as opposed to like the normal, you know, macho style of other people. I mean, there's something that is beautiful about watching a man lean back on a lounge chair made out of two muscular fanboys, holding a mic like a chalice and telling Jay Lethal that I guess he'll go fight a real man. You know, there's just something like that was like as a bisexual man, that was just so refreshing to see. So much so that even before I think we we met, like my friends were probably already annoyed to all hell with me because I just would not shut up about this dude, even though they loved him too. Like I, they <laughs> they were just like all over it. Um, and like that was, I think that was one of the reasons why like the first live show that we ever went to together was that Ring of Honor show where we mm-hmm. saw Dalton Castle fight Jushin Thunder Liger, who is I honestly like that was a that was a highlight for me in many ways. Um, one because I got to see Liger live for the first time, um, and two um, because I think that was really where I saw you like light up and latch on to this in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, I definitely like watching it in person. And there's just something about that that I I think being in that crowd with like all of the energy that's going on um, really adds extra flair to me. Mm-hmm. Why why would why why is that? Do you think is it just like a different energy than like I obviously I think it is a different energy from like sitting like on the couch watching something on TV obviously but it definitely is I mean there's a lot of crowd interaction that you don't necessarily see um uh, in the in the recorded version um like there have definitely been a couple shows I don't know if they were like plants or if the wrestlers just are like acting uh stuff really doesn't necessarily get caught on camera and i love seeing those small interactions um i do love the crowd's energy also um they're always uh throwing those little paper um, oh the streamers the streamers yes that is a i don't know if i ever told you about what the where that tradition comes from that is a japanese tradition oh that uh basically i believe it was either all japan or in stardom actually one of the uh it might have been all japan's women's uh promotion one of those either but that's where it started was they would throw streamers at the wrestlers that they adored 
So the more streamers you got, the more they loved you. Okay. Yes. And that slowly came over to the States, especially with Ring of Honor. Like, Ring of Honor, because, like, that is the pr a promotion that identified so much with, like, work rate and with in-ring stuff. They kind of viewed themselves as almost like a Japanese version in the in the, in the the West. Huh. So, so yeah, sorry, that's sidebar. Anyway. <laughs> well, no, that's interesting to me. Um, I am also part Japanese, so, like, it's just interesting that cultural sort of shift i guess like us appropriating in some ways um from japan probably something that they appropriated from us with wrestling like, actually wrestling. yeah i mean the, the the history of it goes back i won't go into the whole history lesson right now but yeah so with more current wrestling uh, like what you've shown me more recently mm -hmm. um, i do want to talk about one particular person who just definitely channels my inner femme Mm -hmm. um, sunny kiss yes <laughs> all right let's get into this let's get into the modern stuff okay i was just thinking oh no it's going to be another <laughs> wrestling video <laughs> yes and then i see this man called the librarian come out oh yes um and he's making a big fuss with the crowd you know building up i guess bad juju against him <laughs> and then these really hot female dancers come out and I roll my eyes because of course they're all like really in tight clothing and like small clothing. And I'm like, Oh man, okay. Wrestling is just objectifying women again. Mm -hmm. And the longer it went on, I kept looking at the main dancer and I'm like, Hmm, there's something very familiar about this person. Um, and it was Sunny Kiss, who to me, like, seems like a super non-binary sort of person. Um, so much so that, like, I guess in some ways it, even, it might feel weird for me to even say he, him pronouns. Like, I guess I'm probably projecting and would use they, them pronouns for Sunny Kiss, but um, that's total projection. Uh, just because I, I feel like, again, like I said, he channels my inner femme. Um, and representation is so important. Um, it's just really, really fascinating seeing somebody who, um, I felt was kind of on par with my gender identity, um, but also who looked like me as a person of color. Um, and his performance is awesome. Like, if you have not seen sunny kiss wrestle like you have to go check it out um, agreed honestly there's no reason that you should not have honestly like right now he was on the latest episode of AEW dark that came out on tuesday of this week in a three-way match oddly enough against the librarian once again <laughs> um and also uh kip sabian who I don't I'm curious about Kip Sabian. I'm not I, I don't want to just full on like try and like guess someone's sexuality out right off the bat. But dude did like silence a heckler at um one of their shows by um basically a dude a fan got in his face and instead of like yelling back at him, he just lunged up at him and tried to kiss him. So like I'm I'm curious there. There might be something, but I don't want to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i've definitely known some straight guys who when they're trying to make other straight guys angry will try to kiss them oh of course 
Everybody likes but to play who knows? I guess, yep, game of chicken. But I also haven't asked them in depth. What is your sexuality, sir? It's a gateway drug. <laughs> That's what that is. <laughs> Did you say gateway or gateway? Both mixed together. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so uh, I like Sonny Kiss uh, and speaking of just AEW in general, I think, you know, obviously I think they're an organization that, you know, a lot of their messaging has been around inclusion and a lot of like their, they put their money where their mouth is in a lot of ways. Um, you know, hiring Sonny Kiss, who is openly gay, um, obviously, and then Nyla Rose as well. Um, who oddly enough, I don't know if I ever, I don't know if I told you this. Uh, apparently, Cody and Brandy Rhodes did not know that Nyla was trans when they hired her. Oh, yeah, it's really odd. Like, because like, so in AEW right now, it's it's I, I don't have complete confirmation, but it's kind of widely known that Kenny Omega has a lot of um, uh, scouting duties when it comes to the women's division because he's so familiar with a lot of the Japanese women's promotions that they, they pulled a lot of uh, their talent from, mm. um, including Nyla, who competed in Japan multiple times okay. for a few different promotions over there. Um, and so, like, Nyla was on Kenny's radar, and they hired her without realizing that she was actually trans and kind of stumbled into this huge moment um, where they became the first major American uh, promote, uh, pro wrestling promotion to sign a trans female athlete. Um, and I think a lot of the ways that they've been, that they've been portraying her on the show have been um, really powerful in a lot of ways. Not necessarily just because she's a powerhouse and can like throw these like, 98 pound Japanese women across the ring with like almost effortlessly. Um, but also because like a lot of the, a lot of the messaging around matches being like putting her in such a prominent place on the first episode of AEW dynamite where she was competing for the, the women's championship, you know, another first in the industry. But like, honestly, like some of the more powerful stuff I've seen with her has been stuff out of the ring. Like, you know they have they have their road to AEW series online, um, and in the episode leading into that match with Riho, um, she talked about how like she's battled her entire life. You know both because she's black, because she's of Native American descent, because she's trans. And I'm not gonna lie if I didn't cry, um, whenever I saw that that promo, um, I. Mm-hmm. I kept. I don't know if I've shown that to you, and I feel bad that I, I haven't so. because I I meant to before that match specifically because I thought that it was really powerful, but I don't know. I and I hate to ask this, like you know, the quote unquote as a trans person, <laughs> um, like what, like, but like you don't that even as much as we've seen like gay coded characters, like lesbian coded characters, like you know. We you have hardly seen trans characters outside of like the usual like gross jokes that have happened from time to time, right? You know, um, but so like I don't know, like it's it's almost like it's brand new territory in a lot of ways. I definitely think it's brand new territory. I mean, I think that honestly, it shouldn't matter what your gender identity is. 
um, to be able to be part of this. And I think historically, of course, we have really divided gender into these narrow categories um, or even like I guess men's wrestling did have a lot more leniency with that but obviously like like I've said women's wrestling was very narrow um, I think that it's really telling that um, they have put Nyla in a position where um, she's very visible um, again representation is super important um, the thing I sometimes struggle with though is um, people really sort of because she's trans like obviously like bigots basically um, and I think that I don't know for me as a trans person like obviously it hurts to see that happening um, like I'm so glad that she's out there and visible like that though because I think that's really pushing wrestling in the right direction um, in a lot of ways and people are gonna have to get over it because it doesn't matter in the end like she's a good wrestler um, and status doesn't matter yep very true I mean the turfs can uh do what they please but it's not going to change anything you know it's turfs but i've also seen um like you know reading the comment section you should never read the comment section yeah but you know reading the comment section from like cis men um sometimes that could be pretty negative in a lot of ways but also i think the last match we watched um i was really disappointed um, what was the name of the wrestler she was Oh, it was, it was the match against Riho on yeah. AEW Dynamite, the, the women's, women's world title match. Yeah, so I was really disappointed because in the middle of the match, they like cut to a commercial break from what we saw, and um, it just really rubbed me the wrong way because I feel like she is a hugely important she's playing a hugely important role and I would want to, I, I would think that AEW would want to showcase that. And maybe it is not on anything to do with AEW. Uh, maybe it's more on advertisers. Uh, but it was really disappointing to see that they were breaking up this awesome match um, to show commercials. And it specifically had to do of course, or it had to be a match where the queer black or, well, I guess maybe, I'm not sure what her sexuality might be, um, but the black trans, I believe she's bisexual. Okay. Yes. Um, I was just disappointed, you know, in seeing that. Um, yeah. No, I mean, I, I completely understand. I think I, I share that same sentiment for both that reason and other reasons. Um, you know, obviously, I don't know if it was like, I don't think it was a direct choice to make the women's match be one of the matches that they cut a commercial from, just because knowing, like, the structure of television pro wrestling from watching it for as long as I have, like, longer matches tend to have commercial breaks, mm. and, you know, that match went upwards of, like, 15 minutes in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, it was a long match. Yeah, so, like... Obviously, they probably had to put an ad break in there, and the best possible solution they could do was do the picture-in-picture. Picture. Right. And my main complaint with that is that, one, you didn't make the wrestling 
the larger picture <laughs> or the same size picture like you could easily do with that and also you chose to do the picture in picture commercial break part at probably Nyla's best moment whenever she hit exactly. that flying knee off the top rope yeah and just devastated Riho with that like that was her shining moment with in terms of offense in that match right and like it really sucked to see that you didn't get to hear the crowd because I'm sure the crowd erupted at that um, mm-hmm. but you know, at, at the end of the day though, I think the fact that that match won over that crowd as much as it did, and not only did it win over the crowd, it won over the back, you know, it won over like Kenny, the young bucks and Cody, like they were back there watching that match. Like they're still in the show you know, and whenever <laughs> did Kenny, steal the show. Yeah. And whenever Kenny Omega is saying that you stole the show, that's something because like that dude is legit. He knows how to steal a show. <laughs> um, so, but, and that actually leads me to another point about AEW is that, like, the crowd responses to these characters. Like, I know there's only really two with AEW to speak of right now with Nyla and Sonny Kiss, but, like, both of them have, every time they come out, they get these huge reactions. Sonny, particularly, because, like, you know, that, that match in Jacksonville that you were talking about with the, with the Jacksonville Jaguars cheerleaders, like, the crowd erupted when he came out. They loved, they ate up that entrance and they ate up the oh, match. Yeah. And then the AEW Dark match, like, whenever he came out, he got the largest pop of the three people that came out in that match. Arguably, if, if Kenny Omega and Joey Janela had not had that 20-plus minute car crash of a match to end that show, um, honestly, like, Sonny Kiss probably would have gotten the largest reaction of anybody. Maybe maybe SEU would have been would have been a little bit more. But Sonny's up there. And Sonny's only had, like, two real matches in that promotion. Uh-huh. And it's it's I know that some of it can be attributed to the show being in Boston and Sonny mainly has wrestled in the Northeast. Um mm. so I'm sure there are some people that have some familiarity with him, but also just to see like this this the fan base latch on to these characters who would not have felt the same anywhere near the same level of acceptance, you know, five, ten, fifteen years ago within this industry is really, really promising to me, and it makes me, it warms my heart in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know how if if it, how it makes you feel to see that, knowing not knowing necessarily all the history behind it, but also like having your own like predilections to the the art form. It's awesome because I'm going to bring up that word again, pessimism. I'm not very pessim. Uh, I'm not very optimist, mm-hmm. optimistic about how large industries are portraying queer people and people of color. Um, and I think that AEW is starting off real strong with adequately representing people. I think I'm hoping that the wrestlers also get a lot of creative liberty to be able to express themselves how they want. Um, to me, be the the fact that they have that room for expression is uh, really enlightening. It's really inspiring for me to continue pursuing to express myself how how I want, um, even if I'm not doing cool backflips while I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think anybody can pull off some of the flexibility that Sunny Kiss has. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm afraid I would tear both of my hamstrings if I tried to do any of his offense. Like, any yeah. of it. <laughs> um, 
it's interesting though that you say like it, it inspires you to like how you like view yourself or how you like I guess for lack of a better word like mold yourself in a lot of ways like I, I don't know I hadn't really known that that was something that you took away from it until now oh yeah I mean anytime you see somebody who is basically gender bending like mm. I feel like it gives people courage and the, the freedom and flexibility to maybe try something different themselves like move away from what you've been told all your life you absolutely have to do um like that's so limiting so it's like i said very freeing to be able to see people like being themselves mm -hmm. what if i told you there was a pro wrestler whose finisher was actually called the gender bender oh i believe you've <laughs> mentioned gender bender before yeah that would yeah, we'll we'll save Orlando Jordan for another conversation. That was a very odd time, in some ways. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll move moving on from that. Um, I do want to talk about one more thing before we um wrap this up because I know we're coming up on, you know, not necessarily on time, but we're 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 winding down a little bit here. Um, I think the we went all the way to AEW. Um. But there are plenty of other independent promotions um, that are featuring a lot more queer talent. And I know you haven't seen a lot of those shows, but I know there are a few that are off the top of my head that I know I want to show you because of the how they've um, represented the the family, quote-unquote. Um, I know like Battle Club Pro, you know, I covered their um, their event last month uh, anything you can do where it was all intergender matches featuring a, a good amount of queer talent there um it was a very much very much an attitude of inclusion um oddly enough now aew regular santana and ortiz they cut a very nice promo about um inclusion um not just with intergender pro wrestling but just wrestling as a whole um, Rise had their Pride and Joy event back in June. I know I won't shut up about that Effie promo. Because, <laughs> like, that promo is still, like... I I think I quote that promo once a day, if not to myself, to someone else in my life. Usually you. Um, Plus, I just keep hearing Rise. Rise. Yes. <laughs> yes, no, Rise has been outstanding. They, and they've regularly been booking more queer talent because of that show and because of, you know, Effie's words. Um, and you're seeing a lot more pop up. I mean, you had Ashley Vox show up on NWA Power this week. Um, you've seen... Uh, I mean, even in WWE, it's... <sighs> Seems like more and more people are coming out as bisexual. Yeah, Yes, and yes, in some ways. I think because we just had Piper Niven come out as bisexual in WWE. She wrestles for NXT UK. Um, and that's awesome. You st and you also have Sonya Deville there, who's been an out lesbian ever since she signed with the company. Mm. Um, and she's now been featured on the latest season of Total Divas. So they're actually showcasing her lesbian relationship with her girlfriend on their reality TV show, which I think is a huge step for WWE and a huge step for Sonya. Um, even if... Total Divas is basic reality TV, you know. Um, but 
I say all that to say we'll come back to WWE because there's there's other stuff to talk about there. But I say all that to say to go back to I think the, what really got me reinvigorated with queer pro wrestling again was actually a promotion that is not in America and a promotion that is that is um, in a country that has a much even more staunchly a more staunch history of um, of homophobia or if not homophobia at least like discrimination against the LGBTQ community in Japan mm-hmm. you know like I know one of the first things that that I like physically saw you latch on to was um, you know it wasn't just like the Kenny Omega Kazuchika Okada feud from uh, a year ago uh, but or from two years ago actually um, but it was more so the Golden Lovers stuff mm-hmm. and I know like the Golden I know that there's a lot of stuff around the Golden Lovers like um, and there's been a lot of talk about the Golden Lovers stuff I mean they had the documentary made about Kenny Omega um, and you know that storyline has been celebrated a lot over the past year or two um, because of it opening up um, the industry for more acceptance and a wider acceptance, I would say, of you know positive LGBTQ representation, even if it is from two people who are not out gay or out queer or anything right. like that, you know? Um, so I, but even then, like, I don't know, like, I saw you, when I showed you that, I saw you latch on to it in some ways. I just didn't know, like, what was your initial reaction to seeing stuff like that? Um, I mean, well, it's really weird, because I, I do know, logically, that Japan is homophobic in a lot of ways, just with the way laws are set up against, um gay marriage and it's just not very acceptable well it's yeah it's not necessarily acceptable to be out about that I think that that's shifting uh, but it's also weird for me because I grew up reading a lot of Yuri or Yaoi manga which obviously comes from Japan also so it's weird that they have that sort of culture where it's not accepted, but also in a lot of media, it's really pretty prevalent. Mm. Um, so I think that that's why I was so intrigued by it, um, because it was totally what I was expecting, and I don't expect that from American media, uh, but I do expect that. I, I do expect um, queerness out of Japanese media despite the country being sort of homophobic, I guess. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about that necessarily. Like, obviously I'm familiar with the Yahweh Yuri stuff, but like, I just hadn't really thought about that odd, like dichotomy between the two in some ways, like between like the cultural view. Cause like, it's not just like homosexuality. It's like a very restrictive view on like just sexuality in general. And in some ways that like culturally, but uh-huh. that, but it still gets expressed like in these like very 
extreme fashions of like people where people will indulge or, or um, not, not lash out isn't the right word, but like you know have these like the expression of sexuality is much more um, what's the right word? The expression of sexuality is a lot more like. I guess to the extreme in some ways. Like that's not the that's not the correct way I want to say that, but you well, you get what I'm saying in some ways. You're talking about with Japanese media. Yeah. I mean, I know, or I think Ayao and Yuri are actually geared more towards the different gender. Like Yuri would be geared towards men, and Yaoi geared towards women. Um, so, like, in that sense, I don't necessarily think that it's extreme, because it's, like, erotica, Mm -hmm. um, but also, I know that straight people aren't the only ones who are consuming that, so. Yeah. No, you're not wrong there. I think that, I don't know, I think it's important, actually, in some ways that it is, I guess, extreme, um because it allows for that sort of self-exploration for a lot of people, even though it's not necessarily something that would be accepted, except like it, it's not, it's not a place where it might be super accepting to be open. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never lived in Japan though. Um, I don't have a lot of knowledge about contemporary Japanese culture either. So I'm not sure I'm the best person to really talk about that. Yeah. Um, regardless. Um, so this is, of course, just off my, off my limited understanding, um, of Japanese culture, especially current Japanese culture. Hmm. I mean, you're not wrong there. I think I'm kind of right there with you in terms of that knowledge. Like, I just know the historical context that, that queer, that queerness has had in, in the region is, uh-huh. is like it has been much more of just like a stifling and a and a um a discriminatory attitude towards it but like a lot of other places like those attitudes are softening in some ways and so much so that we saw two grown men um cry and hug in a ring because they love each other so much <laughs> two sweaty wrestle boys um reunite and form this tag team that goes so far beyond pro wrestling and so far beyond characters in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've written extensively about the Golden Lovers, obviously. And, and because of that, you've had to hear me go on and on about that storyline for a long time. I don't know. For some reason, I felt like that was one of the first places where like that sort of thing, where like what this industry could be, or like where you saw like, I, I don't want to speak for you, but like I think I from what I gathered like in our interactions after that and like looking at that stuff, it felt like the beginning of like that form of representation in some way, or like or like I mean, the... going back to moving from the first wrestling match I watched to Dalton Castle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Kenny Omega and um, Kota Ibushi match, I guess. I, I guess they, it wasn't really a match, but their reuniting um, was, you know, just another step up for me in terms of wrestling experiences. Well, I mean, 
I mean, there's so much more to talk about with the Golden Lovers, and, and I'm sure, like, hopefully at some point, like, there will be more chances to talk about them just based off of what happens in pro wrestling. You know, never say never. You know, Kota is going for the IWGP World Title on January 4th. Kenny is entrenched in AEW, both in the ring and outside the ring, so see how a lot of that stuff can go down but you know there's so much more like just be, like that was the first like the first shot in a lot of ways for this this movement even though the movement was already happening before that you know there's so much more queer talent that i cannot wait to show you as we continue this journey <laughs> um but for now i think um just have one more question for you like is what do you want to see as more uh, as the LGBTQ pro wrestling uh, movement continues to grow and continues to um, become more accepted? Like what what do you want to see from your own perspective when it comes to the growth of, of that side of the industry? I want to see more people of color. Mm. Like we've talked about how AEW has got a lot of diverse. Uh, wrestlers uh, but I I still just see mm-hmm. um, and I'm not discounting um, who I have already seen Nyla Rose and Sunny Kiss obviously very near and dear to me um, but that's probably my the largest thing that I would want to see Mm-hmm. No, I I couldn't agree with you more in a lot of ways. So, thank you so much for taking what almost like for taking this time to sit down with me. And you know, we will definitely be having more conversations like this in the future. Um, and I can't wait to have those conversations, especially as um as that side of the industry continues to grow and hopefully representation continues to grow in a lot in more places, more high profile places as well. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Well, that is episode one in the books. I I am very excited about where we are going to go from here with the show. Um, as well as the entire Outsports uh, podcast network in general. Uh, so many great shows that a lot of quality people are putting out, and I honestly can't stress enough, like, check those shows out. Check check out everything that we have to offer there. Go check out Outsports.com um, for continued coverage, and we will keep going down this uh, rainbow road of pro wrestling together for some time to come. Uh, that is it for this week, though. Come back next Thursday and we will keep going on this journey together. The Progress Pride Flag Design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. Find out more at quasar.digital. I also want to say huge thanks to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. Find them on Twitter at STSWBand and check out their music on Spotify and sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. This is Brian Bell for LGBT in the Ring. We will see you next week. Bye. With the